are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 106.7 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7400. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope folks are doing well on this rainy Monday afternoon in Auburn, Alabama. Lance, you staying dry, my man? I am, but you know the rain in this uh, dim studio really makes you want to take a nap. Just go to sleep. (laughs) It's really relaxing, man. Well, you can't. There's too many blockbuster news that, that has happened across college football or really just across athletics period that we have to talk about today and of course the hot topic out there Nick Saban we'll get to that in a bit we got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on the line with us today as well we'll have him coming up at 2 30 to talk about Nick Saban's contract extension also over the weekend of course there's a smorgasbord of stuff going on nationally when you're talking about the NCAA tournament for baseball which has gone into today you even had South Alabama they had a game suspended from yesterday due to weather. They're into action today. You've got NCAA baseball tournament action. You've got the NBA playoffs. If you like to wander out onto ice, there's ice hockey with the NHL playoffs. I mean, there's tons of stuff going on out there nationally. Of course, there was some boxing bouts last night, as, as, as much as w- we would like to call it that. I, I think it was just <laughs> dancing in a, in, a, in a square box. But, you know, that, that, that is what it ends up being a lot of times. Yeah, and uh, I was I was pulling for something, at least something to happen. I wasn't necessarily on either either side. I wasn't necessarily pulling for Mayweather or Paul last night. I just kind of wanted to see something happen in one direction. And, well, you uh, were hoodwinked. And uh, if you thought something was going to happen last night, you were hoodwinked. And Mayweather kind of warned us. He was like, "Look, like this ain't going to be something legitimate. Like we're gonna get in, get out, make our money." He literally said, "I know a lot of people think that the game isn't about money, but to me." It's about it's about getting money. Everybody's got to eat. I got to eat too. Got to get my money, and so that's what they went out and did last night. They went out and hugged it out for eight rounds and <laughs> called it quits. I mean, what what did people expect? It's a YouTube star or a former YouTube star against a retired what forty four year old boxer who, in his time as a boxer, was known for his speed and agility and ability to to miss shots from other boxers. If you thought that this was going to be some some title heavyweight fight, you were you were probably sorely disappointed last the night. The only reason I thought something was going to happen is that May- Mayweather very very talented, so I thought maybe he'll just he he will knock out Paul at some point, or because <laughs> you wanted to see right, that, or considering that Floyd or yeah Floyd is five foot eight and Paul is six foot two, maybe there'd be a mismatch physically. You shouldn't be boxing out of your weight class like that. I mean, for, this is not a legitimate. That it wasn't legitimate. I would have, I would like to have seen it gone one way or another. But you know, they they went out there again, hugged it out, and called it quits. Let's rein it in a little bit. Coming on to the Auburn side of things, Auburn adds a late addition to the 2021 recruiting class with a former Tennessee commit. He spurns the Vols, chooses the Tigers. Cornerback Rotarius Torrance committing to Auburn. What do we know about this player? 
that is coming to the Plains. Well, the first thing that jumps off the page to me is the Auburn undercover cover article that was written about him says that he's listed at six foot four. Twenty four seven Sports has him listed at six foot three, but that's perfect for me. I've talked all the off season about how you know I understand that the game doesn't usually have larger secondary players, but I love guys that are above six foot, six foot one. To have a corner listed at six foot three, one ninety five. Perfect. That's exactly what I want in my system. This is somebody that I didn't even know was on Auburn's radar that they pick him up, and I'm extremely happy. You look at his statistics in eight games uh, at junior college this spring, 23 tackles, three tackles for loss, six pass breakups, and one interception. And that interception came in the National Junior College Athletic Association National Championship game. So that five times fast. Yep. <laughs> that Where uh, his team won 29-27, to so that turnover proved to be crucial he was like you mentioned a former Tennessee commit he had some other teams that were looking for him teams like East Carolina Utah State Washington State but obviously whenever you look at that list compared to Auburn and Tennessee and you're transferring out of Tennessee it's like it makes sense that you would go with the Tigers Auburn obviously the most prestigious program out of that group I'm really excited about this guy just the size jumps off the page to me it's very, very important for me to get guys that can match up with these big receivers. The question is, can he run? I don't know. I've not seen film on him, but I would like to expect that he can run with some of these bigger receivers. There's plenty of six foot three receivers out there that can run. But moving forward, I believe he has three years of eligibility as well. This is somebody that I want in my cornerback room and to stay in my cornerback room and not transfer out. Look at his prospect info on 24-7 Sports out of Hutchinson Community College and I believe Kansas. He is formerly of Bessemer, Alabama. Cornerback at six foot three, one hundred ninety-five pounds. This is number thirty-two overall JUCO player nationally, number five cornerback. So big news there for Auburn to be bringing in Rotarius Torrance. I see this more for the fact Auburn lost two JUCO guys out of their quarterback room this year, recently in the last month, month and a half, when Marco Domio and Kamal Haddon decided they needed a change of scenery to see playing time. Torrance, as you've already mentioned. Multiple years of eligibility remaining. The window was closing for Domeo and Haddon. They didn't want to sit behind this group. Torrance obviously is okay with sitting behind this group that's at the top and is looking to show out at 2021. Yeah, I agree with you. And you look at the guys that Auburn has on roster right now and moving forward. And I, I, I wrote down as many as I could find on Auburn's website as their roster. But obviously, as Juco players are coming in, they, they may have had some more additions that I missed. So correct me if I'm wrong. But these are the cornerbacks, not the safeties, but the cornerbacks that Auburn has on their roster. Jalen Simpson, right? Nehemiah Pritchett. Rotarius Torrance is now going to be one of them. Dreshawn Miller will be playing corner, right? Yeah. And Nehemiah Pritchett, did I mention him already? You already said Nehemiah Pritchett. You're Pritchett missing will be playing McCreary. McCreary, but as far as like in 2022, these I'm saying like oh. after this season, guys that graduate. It, it does, does Donovan Kaufman play safety or does safety. he play nickel? Okay, he will play safety. So those are the guys that I have listed Moving forward, I think this is excellent. We talked a little bit earlier uh, earlier last week about how Auburn needs to be able to go after some cornerback depth in the 2022 recruiting class. And to be able to bring in a guy that's six foot three, almost 200 pounds, has experience at a legitimate JUCO level and was playing at the highest level in their championship game, I think it's a really good prospect. You look at what Auburn's going to be able to do on the recruiting trail, get some four-star recruits that are young and, and, and are raw and need time to develop. They can develop behind these guys like Jalen Simpson, Nehemiah Pritchett, obviously Torrance, again, one of those guys that's going to be in this group. 
I think this is an excellent move. I think Auburn's cornerback room moving forward does need a couple of younger pieces. I, I still think they need to be going after some guys in this next year's recruiting class, but it's a great addition in my opinion. Yeah, you still probably could use another two or three, maybe even I, I would say at least two in this year's recruiting class. And I imagine Auburn will address that. But this is kind of like getting a sophomore to your program. He's got three more years of eligibility. He can still be redshirted, though. He, he's got four years to play three. That That's the situation for Rotarius Torrance at Auburn. Auburn had two guys come in in this 2021 class, one of which was Kamal Haddon, who is no longer with the program, of course, due to his transfer. So you got A.D. Diamond on the roster from this previous recruiting class. But then on top of that, you just don't know who's coming back. And we're taking a look at the 2022 depth chart here or the 2022 cornerback roster. McCreary's gone. And we've talked to enough people where we feel certain that if Dreshawn Miller comes mm-hmm. along like we expect him to, I would imagine that he's gone as well, headed on to the NFL draft. It just You wonder if the amount of time and the amount of playing time, which would be about two and a half seasons for Nehemiah Pritchett and Jalen Simpson, two full seasons though at least, if that's enough for them to feel comfortable with their NFL draft resume and then scouts as well and GMs and NFL teams, are they comfortable enough with that for one of those guys to go pro? I don't think both of them go, but I do think that there's a chance that you could see three Auburn cornerbacks come out of this year's defensive backfield and go pro if they're not wanting to stick around and try and increase their draft stock and if they're okay with being a fifth or a sixth round selection. I think it's unlikely, but it's possible that you could see at least one I imagine you'll still have Jalen Simpson, Nehemiah Mm -hmm. Pritchett as your two bookends two years from now or or into next football season, the 2022 season. And then you have Rotarius Torrance. And then the only other name that I know of at the moment, A.D. Diamond, and then whoever else comes along. So you're still a little thin, and that will be addressed this upcoming year. But at the top next year, I still think for 2022, despite the fact that I believe the cornerback position is a need for Auburn and a substantial need in this recruiting class, I do think at the top next year, if you can get Pritchett and Simpson back, this is still one of the better position groups on the entire Auburn football team in 2021 or 2022. I agree with you. At at the top, whenever you look at these starters projected for next year's uh, uh, depth chart, so to speak, I think think whenever you're looking at guys like Jalen Simpson and Dreshawn Miller and Nehemiah Pritchett, I'd expect one of them to go. I would probably expect, based on people that we've talked to and guys like Christian Clemente who have come on the show and said, yeah, I think Dreshawn Miller's going to be a one-and-done guy, I would expect for him out of those three guys to be the most likely to leave for the NFL draft. Like you mentioned, I don't know if Nehemiah Pritchett and Jalen Simpson are necessarily okay with being a sixth or seventh round pick because I believe both of those guys are much more capable than than being just that. Especially Nehemiah Pritchett. I agree. I think both of those guys can be, at at their best, a a late second-round selection. And again, at their worst, if they really just want to go ahead and get into the draft, they can be a sixth or seventh-round selection. But I would like to see them stick with the program. I see a lot of potential in both of those guys. And Rotarius Torrance, again, if moving forward as far as starters are concerned, if you if you manage to keep Simpson, Pritchett, and Torrance, again, at the top, you've got a lot of experience. You just need to get some cornerbacks in this next year's cycle that can bring in a little bit of depth and have them be training under these guys so that whenever they do leave for the draft, Auburn's next wave of secondary players are ready to go. Of course, other major news happening in college football today. Nick Saban signed an extension with Alabama through the 2028 season. A lot of money, over $8 million per season through that 2028 year. Some bonuses as well sprinkled in throughout that. What can we take away from this extension for Nick Saban? 
and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Well, the Alabama program believes that Saban can go a lot longer than I expected him to. I've said on the Locked on Auburn podcast, and I believe I've said it on this show, that I don't necessarily believe that Nick Saban will be coaching five years from now. I just I, I don't I don't see him staying that long. But if they believe that they they en- enough in him to extend him through 2028, he may be coaching for a really long time. My question is is can not necessarily can he live through that that contract, but is he going to want to continue continue coaching six or seven years from now? So while I, I I'm impressed that this Alabama program has enough faith in him to extend him that long, I don't know if he's going to be able to stick it out for that long of a time well I'm sure they've talked about that right right I'm sure they've had some type of dialogue on how long he wants to go and the extension runs him through 2028 whether or not he actually goes through 2028 that is another story but I imagine the two had a dialogue and said look this is how far I would like to go we'll see we'll take it a year by year basis and if he goes and retires before then he retires before then but I see through 2028 I imagine that he does want to go that far, and then that's the end of it because you took a, you take a look at his quote that he had in the press release sent to us. Quote, Terry and I are pleased and happy to sign another contract extension that will keep us in Tuscaloosa through the end of our career, Saban said. So you know 2028's it, so you at least have an expiration date there on the Nick Saban career, but I'm with you. That's a long time from now. That's another seven, eight seasons. Yeah, and something else to think about is if Harson's going to be a long-term guy, which we'll we'll get to SEC coaching stability here in a couple of se- segments. If Harson's going to be Auburn's guy for the next six or seven years, he's got his work cut out for him because Saban's not going anywhere unless he just decides to retire halfway through through his con- contract extension. I don't believe Kirby Smart's going to be going anywhere as long as. Uh, if there's a disaster, then then I can see him maybe getting fired. But I just don't see, barring disaster, Kirby Smart, Smart leaving Georgia. And then LSU still LSU, LSU. They're going to be able to recruit regardless of whoever their coach is. So Harson's got his work cut out for him as if he wants to be the long-term guy. Maybe this is a recruiting ploy. Maybe this is something that Alabama said, let's lock down Nick Saban right now through 2028. So when we're on the recruiting trail and there's been negative recruiting that well, look, Nick Saban's 69 years old. How long is this guy going to continue to coach? Well, now they could say he's going to be here for another eight years. That's eight seasons. They've got Nick Saban locked down. If he goes those full eight years, he would be 77 years old when he retired. That's insane. That's uh, well, that's that's one heck of a coaching career. And again, I just I don't. This I, is a boost to recruiting. Right. If you it, can't negative recruit Alabama on Nick Saban's age anymore. Right. I just I don't see him going that long. I don't see any a whole lot of people coaching until they're 77 years old, you know? And like you said, maybe they've had that discussion. Maybe they've said, listen, we, we want to be able to take this year by year, but if you're comfortable going until 2028, we'll go as, as, long, as, as long as you want to up until that point. But like you mentioned, that's the expiration date. So Auburn fans – Hold out. You got eight. You got eight more seasons of Nick Saban at the most, and then after that, if Harson's still around and he and he's doing well, you know there could be a really bright future moving forward for the Auburn Tigers. On the other side of this break, we'll talk about how many current SEC coaches will still be at their schools when 2028 rolls around. You you look at the state of college football. Coaches bounce around. Coaches have a hard time surviving more than four or five seasons at some stops. I'm looking at you, Tennessee. So it's a tall task for some of these SEC schools. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to On the Line. 
Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dalton with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. As promised, on the line with us here at 2.30 p.m., we got Jeremy Love, Radio Alabama Sports. Jeremy, how you doing today, my man? No, I love when you say as promised, like people are chomping at the bits to, to hear me on the plane. But uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm getting ready for some softball tonight, elimination game, a spot in the national championship series. It's, it's going to be a fun night. It's been a fun last couple weeks for Alabama fans. I'm sure it's a love-hate relationship between people on the plains and Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports, of course, because Well, of I mean, your... listen, you want to know, but they just don't want to hear it from me. <laughs> Well, tell tell everybody about Nick Saban's contract extension. That's been the hot topic on our show through the first two segments. What are your takeaways? Um, well, to me, it, it means that Nick Saban's going to be here until at least 2026. Um, a lot of these coaches now are they're always going to have an extra three years on the end of their contract. Um, but just for recruiting purposes, you don't want to be recruiting a guy at a high school who thinks that uh, if you have a guy at a, a senior in high school and your deal ends in two years, um, if that guy wants to know that you're going to be there through his tenure, at least while you're recruiting him. So for Alabama to get the extension until around 2029, to me that tells me that Nick Saban really does plan on being at Alabama until at least 2026. And what does that mean? Well, you're going to have a couple more years of Bryce Young. You're going to have some years of possibly Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson. How many national titles can Saban compile between now and then? I think um, – Rough numbers would probably tell you, at least if you look at the last six or seven years, that Nick Saban can probably win two, if not three, more national titles in between 2021, 2022, 2023, 24, 25, and 26. So he's going to have a chance to win two or three more. And then I think in about 2026, 2027, uh, Nick Saban's probably going to hang it up and, uh, and go roll out on the lake, as he likes to say. How long does this elongate the Alabama dynasty even past Nick Saban? And I know that's hard to project, but you mentioned recruiting, and you see that this past year Alabama signed the highest-rated recruiting class of all time. And I imagine that that train, with the way that Alabama's recruiting right now, not only do they have the number one overall running back, that wasn't enough, they just got the number six overall running back from LSU's backyard in Baton Rouge, and they have the number three pro-style quarterback in this year's class. Five stars all over the place. Alabama's just getting started. This year, you're looking at another exceptional recruiting class. But you imagine they'll be able to replicate that for the next couple of seasons. How long does this elongate, or do you think it really will come to an end at around 2028? I think if you saw anything, you saw Les Miles, who has turned out to not be a good football coach, take what Nick Saban did and make it last five or six years. Um, and to me, I think that if you're an Alabama fan, you can feel pretty good about knowing that Saban's number one. He's not just going to dip on you overnight, especially at this point in his career. He did it to LSU, but he's not going to do it to Alabama. He's going to leave the program in a good place. And I think that leaves this job – to being a a very attractive place, a place that it was not when Nick Saban took the job. He's taken the job, made it 10 times, 20 times, 30 times bigger and better than it was before he got here. And it just makes it attractive for the next guy. And you say you don't want to follow a legend, but what about a legend that has uh, 85-man scholarship roster and 37 of those guys are are, you know top 100 players? The rest of the other 50 are either high or somewhat low four stars and you have a stacked roster, I think that's enough to get a Dabo Swinney. 
or another one of these big-time coaches to take a strong look at Alabama once Nick Saban leaves. And Nick Saban's, Nick Saban's legacy, I like to say it this way, Nick Saban's legacy is going to last at Alabama for seven or eight years on the field after he leaves because of the place that this program is in and where he's put it since he got here in 07. We were talking in the previous segment about whether or not some of these other SEC coaches will be able to last until 2028, and I wanted to get your thoughts. As far as Alabama's rivals are concerned, you look at teams like Georgia and Auburn, LSU, and Texas A&M are the specific teams that come to mind. Do you think any of those head coaches at those respective schools will be able to outlast Nick Saban by the time he's ready to hang it up in 2026 or 2028? Kirby. Kirby is almost in, to me, in an unfireable position because he's taken over for Mark Rick. And while he hasn't really done anything different than Mark Rick outside of a lose a national title game, you know that the talent is there and are they going to be able to get that talent with the next guy behind Kirby smart? I don't think so. The guys recruited the best in the country right behind Nick and Ur- and um, Ryan day almost said Urban Meyer, man, what am I thinking about here? But he's recruited, he's recruited that well at Ohio state. And that's what Kirby's been able to do at Georgia. So I think Kirby has a legitimate chance of being at, Georgia in 2027, 2028. I'm going to put out a hot take here. They may hate hate me. I don't think Brian Harson's going to be at Auburn in 2027, 28. I'm not sure if Dan Mullen would still be at Florida, although a good coach. I think um, maybe the NFL takes a look at Dan Mullen, the way that he's been able to develop quarterbacks that you've never heard of. He turned Dak Prescott into an NFL quarterback. Kyle Trask, who nobody thought could throw a football he has a chance to be a, a somewhat of a solid NFL quarterback or a backup. Guys may look at Dan Mullen. I'm not so sure how many coaches in the SEC are going to be around in 27, 28. That, that's a good question, guys. What I mean, how many are y'all thinking are going to be left around? The only one that I have is a definite yes. I, I think Kirby Smart will be there. That's yep. my for sure. Now, I've got three maybes. I, I think Stoops at Kentucky could still be there. It, my big question on that one is, is this the height of, of Mark Stoops at Kentucky right now. He's taken him to five straight bowl games. He's won three in a row. Things are going pretty well for him there. The question is, can he continue to replicate seven, eight wins every single season? He's the epitome of consistency. If he can, I definitely can see him there in 2028. Or maybe he just gets tired of it and somebody else decides to hire him. Maybe there's a you know slightly a larger program than Kentucky that maybe wants to hire him up. Dan Mullins, maybe. Hey, I don't see him making it to the NFL. Jimbo Fisher, though, you know, he's got the guaranteed 10-year deal. So, what's the seven years left on that? Right at around 2027, 20, 2028, I guess. So, uh, Jimbo could be one of those guys as well. But that, that's an intriguing question. My thing about Jimbo is, and we'll get to this in a little bit on the show, he only did eight at FSU, which I say only. That is a lot. But he, he did eight at FSU, which he's got to get eight more years on top of what he's already at at Texas A&M, which what is like – three or four years now at Tamu and so he's got to go another eight years which we've never seen him go past that and like playing law of averages in college football most coaches don't make it past six or seven and then to say that he'll have to get to double digits that's hard for me because he ran out of gas at Florida State he's the coach that ran Florida State into the issues that they're at right now and and I agree with that I think Florida State has had a a more of a problem Uh, they don't pay anybody they don't pay their head coach, and if they do pay their head coach, they don't pay assistance. And I think that's what got Jimbo Fisher the most while he was at FSU. They didn't pay anybody, and it was tough to keep keep guys around. And Jimbo Fisher, where he stands right now, he's going to be second in the West at probably best every single year, third or fourth at the worst. 
and he's got a guaranteed $75 million contract. We talk about, will Jimbo leave? Will, will Texas A&M get tired of him before yeah. then? Because they got plenty of money to buy him out. Don't worry. Yeah, that, that's the big thing. I think at some point, this year will be a true testament to Jimbo Fisher's trajectory moving forward because he's got a true freshman quarterback. He's replacing a lot of talent off of last year's team. If things go really poorly this year, that could send this program on in a different direction than maybe where people originally thought it was going heading into this year. And that could affect the outcome of the next eight years for Jimbo Fisher. They could get tired of him just like they did with someone for going eight and five every year, which is definitely the realm that A&M has lived at in the entirety of their athletic program. Yeah. And you lose Kellen Mond and he, listen, was it three-year starter? Now, four that's year going starter. to be tough to replace. Four-year starter. That's going to be tough to replace. That's right. That's right. Last question here for you before we get out of here. Alabama softball tonight. They're taking on Florida State for a spot in the national championship. You got any thoughts on that? Well, I was going to say, you know, if they, you, you can't say that if they threw Montana Fouts, they would have won yesterday. Now, they may have tied 0-0, but Alabama's got to find a way to hit the softball. Now, Florida State's got a couple good pitchers, uh, but I think you're confident knowing that if you can score four runs with Montana Fouts in the circle, you can win the game. So, Maybe they'll be playing in the uh, final series. Jeremy, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on the line with us today. Tell everybody where they can find you. Find me on Twitter at IMJ underscore law. You can find all of Noah's great content on RadioAlabamaSports.net. Thanks, guys. Jeremy, I appreciate it, my man. Hope you have a good evening. That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on the line with us. We'll be back on the other side of this break, continuing our conversation about how many current SEC coaches will still be at their schools in 2028. We'll take a look at the SEC West coming up next. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 1067. are on the line live on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm in birmingham and silicaga and in auburn on espn 1067 or online on fox sports 983.com and espnau.com you are on the line with noah gardner and lance daw join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500 Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Thank you to Jeremy Law in hour number one for joining us. If you missed that or any of anything else in hour number one, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook. That's FoxSports983.com. We've got a packed hour number two for you. We're going to go over our daily Twitter poll as well as talk a little Auburn basketball with you. JT Thor announcing he's going to stay in the NBA draft. Some college football news. A late addition to the transfer portal from out west. A quarterback into the transfer portal. That's some interesting news, especially for some of these SEC teams. What are the make-or-break factors for Missouri in 2021? All that and more coming up here in this second hour of the show. I want to start it off with our Twitter poll from last week, going over those results. 
Seems like it's been a while since Friday. It seems like it, we had another long weekend. I, I, I don't know why it feels that way, but the Twitter poll on Friday was based off of some history for Auburn football and having a winning record at home against Alabama versus having not have won in Baton Rouge since 1999, over 20 years. And the Twitter poll, on the line poll from last week, which game is Auburn more likely to win this season at LSU or versus Alabama? This is closer than you and I thought it was going to be, but still a substantial victory for LSU there at LSU, 72%, Alabama at home, 28%. I'm surprised it was 28%. I said if we could hold it at 25 or somewhere around there, somewhere between 20 and 25, I would be happy with it. But wow, I can't believe that 27% of fans that that at least voted thought that it would be more likely for us to beat Alabama at home this year. This was your question that you asked about uh, on Thursday of last week. I was like, well, we got to turn this into a Twitter poll because you bring up the point. Historically, Auburn has had a much easier time with Alabama at home than they have with LSU on the road. That's based on statistics. But if you look at this with rationale and logic and stick each year in a vacuum and you say on paper, which team do I think Auburn is more likely to beat? And I'm just looking at 2021 the obvious answer is LSU right exactly but then again like like that's kind of the direction that I would want to lean but then you go back to history and it's like even whenever LSU was bad and Auburn was good they still couldn't find a way to win in Baton Rouge and anything about those two rivalries historically none of it's been rational no nothing you've had some great games between Auburn and Alabama over the last 10 years of course that defy logic and then you look at LSU really mainly in the 2000s you saw some crazy football games and then even into the late 90s and whatnot. I mean, there's just some crazy outcomes and some crazy stories for both of those rivalries, those two defied logic. So, But we, we still want to hear from you. What are your thoughts? On the line poll, which game is Auburn more likely to win this season? Today's Twitter poll, we'll be putting that up after this segment in between the break. Today's Twitter poll, we were talking with Christian Clemente on Friday. And he said that he would like to see Auburn schedule UCF. That was the number one team on his list. He wanted to see Auburn schedule UCF. What say you on the line poll? Do you want to ske- do you want Auburn football to schedule UCF while Gus Malzahn is there? Yes, I do. I do want I do want Auburn to schedule UCF for one reason, and it's to prove that Brian Harson is a more consistent coach than Gus Malzahn is. And you can say that could well, backfire. You could say, well, that could also backfire, and couple that with the fact that Brian Harson's dealing with with SEC talent. He's got SEC recruits, four and five stars on his roster. Gus Malzahn doesn't have that. I would counter that point with the fact that UCF is one of the better group of five schools in the entire country, and it doesn't matter whether or not they have four or five stars on their roster because they are consistently able to compete with the teams like Auburn, like LSU. In the they fe- beat Auburn. They they beat Auburn and they lost to LSU, but that was still a really close game a team that had Joe Burrow albeit in his 2018 season Cincinnati almost beat Georgia this past year exactly the the AAC is not a terrible conference if I had to make a power six they would be my sixth conference absolutely hands down wouldn't even look at anything else but you talk about UCF and their ability to punch above their weight class and a lot of that does have to do with their with their coaches that they've had guys like Scott Frost Josh Heupel Gus Malzahn is another big time name he's got a returning quarterback in Dillian Gabriel he's probably going to have him I believe it's for two more seasons I might be wrong on that I think Gabriel's a sophomore but this UCF team has a lot of offensive firepower. Malzahn being an offensive guru. I think that would be a really fun game to go and watch. Brian Harson, all about fundamentals, preaching about sound defense and offensive execution. 
I think it would be a really interesting clash of styles. Malzahn, more that trick play, spread option, run it down your throat kind of guy. Harson focusing more on the fundamentals, making sure that everything's sound and your gaps are sound and you're blocking well and that you're you're not you're not relying on 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 you're not relying on tendencies to to make your game go. You're not relying on the defense to just not expect what's going to happen. You're going to control the game because you have the better talent and you're going to execute better. I like that style and I think that will win out with S with SEC talent. So while there may be chan a chance for Malzahn to 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 beat Auburn, I think it would be an interesting game, but I think Harson would come out on top because I believe he's the better overall coach, and I believe that the talent that ha that Auburn has will eventually win out, but it would be a fun, high-scoring affair. I don't even want to go down that road, man. I don't even want to to even give him the chance. Don't Just don't even. I wonder how badly he'd want it if he, if he got the if he got the well he's been talking about how he wants to schedule Alabama. Look, this is a guy who who is putting up billboards right outside Gainesville. This is a guy right now that is talking about putting UCF on the map and competing for national championships. I mean, some of the gimmicks are already happening at the bounce house right now because they're putting social media handles on the back of players' jerseys and whatnot. Which I, I mean, think it looks is, terrible. It is. It does, and it, it is in full fledged right now. He's trying to get people's attention. He's trying to get in people's face. There's definitely like a renewed energy and vigor from Gus Malzahn right now at Central Florida. There's one thing you should know this from Gus Malzahn at Auburn. If there's a game that he wants to win. He's going to win it. There, there's one game that he can circle on a schedule and game plan for. And a lot of times that came in non-conference play at least. He was going to win those non-conference games. But he could build some game plans for Alabama. He couldn't against Georgia for some reason, but he could build some game plans that could win him some football games against Alabama. That's why he was the most successful coach against Nick Saban. For whatever reason, he could build a game plan for Alabama, but not for Georgia I totally see a world where he could build a game plan for the program that he built. Oh, for sure. I, and, but, and so I don't want any of that. No, he knows where the self-destruct button is, okay? Because he pushed it on right. multiple occasions. Right. Well, you look at well, you. I, I said that Malzahn was essentially somewhat of a gimmick coach, and talking about relying on defensive tendencies to execute and, and do things that were not that were not normal and not planned, and get the get offensive and offenses and defenses out of rhythm. That was kind of what he went off of, and then he used the trick play to surprise you, and he hit the long ball whenever you least expect it. I, I, I still think. Malzahn would have a really tough time beating a Brian Harson coach team. I understand that it's his guys, it's his recruits, it was his roster. He knows the ins and outs of what these guys did in high school and what they were doing in the program. I still have faith that that Auburn with Brian Harson would be able to to get over the hump against UCF because even if he knows what what's going to be run, even if he knows these players' tendencies. He's still playing with UCF talent, even though they're one of the best power five or a group of five schools in the country. He's still playing with UCF talent. While they are offensively elite, talent from the SEC will win out in that game, in my opinion. They're not Boise State. We thought that though, and they still, Auburn still lost to UCF back in uh, back in 2017. Auburn in that was Peach also Bowl. injured. That is true. Their best, Johnson their, was their hurt. best players were hurt. That's true. That is very true. Well, I just put up the poll on the line poll at ESPN 106.7. Go and find it on Twitter. Do you want Auburn to schedule UCF while Gus Malzahn is head coach? We're right out the gates. Two votes already. As soon as I press send, and it's 50-50. Oh, no. <laughs> this is going to be fun. And I, and I think that's the way I think that's the way it's going to go. This is going to be one of those Twitter polls that are right down the middle. But I, I, I don't want to give the guy a chance to exact revenge 
on the Auburn program. I, I, don't, I don't want that because it, it was not – it was a stressful time at Auburn. It was a stressful time at Auburn, I'm sure. And so I would not want to – I would not want to give that a shot. But let's keep going here, talk a little Auburn basketball. JT Thor announced over the weekend that he will stay in the NBA draft. He's signing with an agent. What do you make of this decision that has finally gone official? I think Bruce Pearl is very good when it comes to evaluating talent and letting guys know when they should go to the NBA draft or not. I think Pearl was not a a big influence on JT Thor's decision because I believe that JT Thor, wherever he got his advice, I believe it was bad advice, and I don't believe it came from this coaching staff. At the same time, though, I understand why JT Thor is leaving. He's leaving for his family. It's very similar to the Peyton Barber situation in 2015. He's going into the league when as soon as he has the opportunity completely understand it I would probably do the same thing but if he had stayed another year he would be a surefire NBA draft pick I have a hard time looking at JT Thor with his raw undeveloped potential and saying that he is going to get drafted whenever whenever the NBA draft does come that being said I'm not saying he's a bad player I'm just saying he made the decision a little too early in my opinion and I will hate it if I don't see him get drafted I'm pulling for him I hope he does I just I think he should have stayed one more season and it's really hard to find time on this roster with guys like Jabari Smith and Jalen Williams but you, you got to be able to stay for one more year and get in and develop that three-point shot that you definitely have and develop your ability to protect the rim which Auburn was not necessarily good at last season even, even though they had guys at six foot ten like like JT Thor just come back polish your polish your game and then be a first round selection next year a couple of weeks ago Bruce Pearl was speaking at an ambush event and he said that if JT Thor stay if JT Thor stays in the draft he will get drafted and so I find I trust that because his track record and talking about players being able to get drafted, he's been right like every time. And I look back at Chumo Kiki, not similar players, but similar usages in the Auburn basketball scheme and the Auburn basketball system. They played a very similar position, obviously vastly different players. JT Thor much taller than Chumo Kiki, but also on top of that much thinner. Chuma was a different player, but they still kind of performed a similar role in Auburn basketball system and trying to stretch the floor from that four spot in the lineup. And JT Thor showed potential. I trust they I think he's gonna get drafted. It's it's the massive range, the, the massive swing of picks that I think we can see. Because I can't imagine, I can't envision a world where he's drafted late in the first round. I can't envision that. Despite the fact that we have not seen projections of that online. Despite the fact that we have not seen him mock there, maybe Bruce Pearl knows something that we don't know. My hope would would indicate that yes, he would, but I just I, I really wish he had stayed one one more year because in my mind, then he's definitely going to the league. Yeah, it's just it's so it's so up in the air, and there's not a lot of guys on draft boards that are picking this guy to go in the first or second round, and I understand what Pearl's saying, and, and that, that was one of my points that I use, is he's really good at evaluating talent. I just don't... I just wish he had stayed one more year, man. I just wish he had stayed one more year because I'm really going to really gonna hate it for him. You if, really wonder it, what could have been for him right. in an orange and blue uniform. Oh, right. But I'm, not say, I'm not saying that I want this simply to, ha- uh, simply to have him because I like to be able to – I want Auburn to keep all their good players. Whenever they need to leave, they should leave. They got, they, go get your money, man. Yeah. But if he, I, I believe he would have had a much better chance. It's more chance. certain. It's more certain that if he had stayed if for one more year – 
there would be a lot more tape for guys to look at because there's so many different things that this guy could could do if he had more tape he'd have more time to show it because again he didn't really have a three-point shot until late in the season he wasn't protecting the rim well he wasn't incredibly mobile on defense in my opinion it was he a good defender I think so but he wasn't great give him another year I think he's going to be a great defender you just got if he just had more time he would be able to put some things on video that he wasn't able to do last season. And, and even though there were moments last year where it's like, wow, look at that. That is an NBA talent. I think you, if you give the man another season, you look at him, and there's more moments where you can say, wow, that's an NBA-level talent. That's a first-round talent. And it's just, I just hate it. it. I'll just hate it so much if, if I don't see him get drafted. But I want him to. Of course. Of course. I, I understand that point. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I but I, I'm a little bit. I feel a little bit better about him getting drafted than than I think you do. I think he would have been a for sure first round pick next year. Maybe even getting close to the lottery next year mm-hmm. at, for for certain if he had returned and added a little bit more to his skill set. Now that's assuming that he comes back and develops. Guys sometimes come back and then get hurt, blow out an ACL, and that completely derails. And then you've got. Then you've got him back in college for another two or three more years or, or, or another one or two more years. Not three because he would have ran out of eligibility, but another one or two more years possibly because then you run into the conundrum of a lot of teams in the NBA don't want to draft a junior. You know, they don't want to draft a senior. So like the longer he stays in college, it definitely gets harder for him to get drafted. For JT Thor, there was a real sweet spot and, and it was made weird because he reclassified and came down a year and was 17 years old, What should have been a high school senior, as we heard so many times throughout the season from, from various commentators. I mean, it, you know, you know, Jarrett Stidham played in Texas. You know, JT Thor's, you know, should be in high school right now. I mean, like, <laughs> we heard that so much throughout the college basketball season, also about him having a hammer. But um, we just, <laughs> we, we, talk about, we talk about those things so much through, throughout the regular season, but it kind of made a unique situation for him because you look at him as a one-and-done, that that's how the the schedule is made for players across the country in college basketball you go one and done or you come back to college and for him he he could have came back to college he had a little bit larger of a window than most recruits the typically the longer a recruit stays in college the harder it is for them to get drafted the window significantly closes after your sophomore season I think it closes a great deal after your freshman season but we've seen enough sophomores over the years go high enough like a chumo kiki even some of those kentucky players off of that borderline undefeated team so uh you know back in like 2015 or whatever the the team that was undefeated up until the final four we saw a substantial amount of sophomores go off of that class to get drafted it happens but the window appeared to be just slightly larger for jt thor so it was a unique situation that's why it's kind of you wonder why he didn't make more use of that but i think that they know stuff that the average individual that's not around it that isn't close to the situation doesn't know and Bruce Pearl has built up this track record now with NBA players he, he's had let's see I'm trying to count this up in my brain right now he's going to have three first rounders in a row if it goes if Sharif Cooper gets drafted this year he's gonna have three first rounders in a row which I think we all imagine Sharif Cooper's going in the first round he's gonna have three in a row He's built up this track record. We trusted him on Chumo Kiki. I think this is a situation where you're like, this is going to work out. I hope so. I hope so. I understand your uncertainty. I definitely do because it, it on paper to us, it doesn't make sense, but we're not the ones actually in that situation making right. that decision. So I know you're not criticizing that. I'm just saying for folks out there that maybe are thinking the same thing and don't understand it, 
you know, that you're making sense 100%, but there's something that you probably don't know about the situation where they have information. And Bruce Pearl seems to be very confident that he's going to get drafted. And Bruce is not one of those coaches that's going to try and hold on to players if he thinks they're going to be able to go to the next level and, and make it work. And he seems to be very confident in JT Thor's ability to get drafted this year. I wonder if that means first round. That's kind of what's making me feel like, well, I wonder if this is a late first round selection by somebody. Maybe there's one or two teams out there in the NBA that have talked to JT Thor and are like, we really like you. We don't really need a young piece right now. We can stash you away and develop you kind of like what the Magic did with their 14th or 16th selection, whatever they got Chuma with a couple of years ago. They didn't really need somebody. They were already so young. They're like, all right, we can stash you away. And they did. They stashed him for a year and then shows up this year and he balls out. I could see somebody late in the draft say, well, you know, we're so filled out. We're so, we, we, we like our roster where it's at. We don't really need you right now, but we know you're going to be special or we believe in you as a project. And so they're going to try and develop them. That could be the logic. Maybe there's one or two teams out there that really like the guy. And if he gets picked up, you know, I, I, I trusted NBA coaching staff to, to elevate his game just as much as I trust Auburn staff to do it. Uh, if not more, if, if not, not more reasonably much more, <laughs> I would hope more, right? <laughs> because he's, he's at least surrounded by fellow NBA talent. So very interesting stuff going on there with JT Thor. There's just a lot for people to consider that I don't know. If you look at it from surface value, you look at his stats, you're like, that's not an NBA player. And of course, John Rothstein was the one that I saw report it first on, on social media this past weekend. That's where I saw it. And um, there were so many people in the mentions like instantly in the comment section were like, what? Like just folks from other fan bases were confused by this. And I'm like, well, there's things that you have to consider that that maybe people aren't considering right now that just because they don't have enough information on the matter and I I feel confident in that he will get drafted I just don't know to what degree and you don't see and what makes you uncomfortable about that too which I, I don't think you've brought up yet just because you get drafted in the NBA draft does not mean you get signed second round picks end up in the G League all the time right all the time so that that's another thing it's, it's one thing to get drafted it's the other thing this NBA team has to want to sign him and end him up actually on their roster we take a look at the transfer portal when we come back. A certain quarterback from out west, or from the mountains, really, he's added his name to the transfer portal. This is a big addition late in the game. We talk about it on the other side of the spring. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Wrapping up the Monday edition of the show. Before we do so, let's take a listen to What's On TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. A new season of The Bachelorette kicks off at 7 on ABC. Also at 7, but on NBC, American Ninja Warrior is on with the qualifiers continuing at the Tacoma Dome. Movie selection for tonight, don't mess with a girl on fire or anyone that can shoot a bow as well as Katniss Everdeen for that matter. The Hunger Games is on Paramount at 6. A look at the NBA playoff action with two games on TNT. At 6.30, it's Game 2 of the Eastern Conference semifinals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn 
Oakland Nets. At 9, the Western Conference semis begin with the Denver Nuggets at the Phoenix Suns. The Monday MLB game is on ESPN at 9 with the Chicago Cubs at the San Diego Padres. The NHL playoffs have two matchups at 5.30. It's a tied series headed to Game 5 between the New York Islanders and the Boston Bruins on NBCSN. The Montreal Canadiens are up 3-0 on the Winnipeg Jets with a decisive Game 4 at 7 on NHL Network. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Taking a look at what's going on at the NCAA baseball tournament today as regionals carry into Monday. You got all those Game 3 for regional finals. Mississippi State, after 10 innings against Campbell, finds their way. They swept the weekend 3-0 as Mississippi State. They advance, punch their tickets to the Starkville Super Regional. And then also on the other side, South Alabama earlier today continued play against South Florida to force the final game of the regional final. They were able to stave off elimination and go to the all-decisive final game of the Gainesville Regional. They're currently up on South Florida 1-0 to in the bottom of the third. Some other games going on right now. Ole Miss is up 4-0 on Southern Miss. Southern Miss, that game was crazy yesterday. There was like 10 runs between the two teams through the first inning. Crazy game. It was like 6-4 to four after the first and just the runs kept mounting. That was a fun one. Ole Miss, their season on the ropes, but they're looking pretty good here already right out the gates up 4-0 on that in-state rival in Southern Miss. And then in the top three, Dallas Baptist, a team that I had getting out of the TCU Regional. They're taking on Oregon State. Yesterday, Oregon State forced the all-decisive, if necessary, game today in Oregon State up 2-0 to zero in the top of the third. All I got to say about this tournament is let's go Jaguars. Come on, baby. South Alabama, their center fielder said just a week or so ago that he didn't expect to play in Gainesville, but they were pretty confident that they would win the region and then win the whole thing. So I say come on with it. I love it. I really hope South Alabama finishes strong and beats South Florida today. Obviously, they beat them earlier to finish that that game that was being played yesterday. But I, I just come on, let's go Jaguars! I'm all for it. Some other games going on tonight: Old Dominion and Virginia. That game, once again, all of these are if necessary games. Nebraska, Arkansas, Nebraska made that that regional very uncomfortable for Arkansas, as we pointed out, a tough region for Arkansas to have to play in. Oregon, LSU, LSU fighting hard for Paul Maneri who this is his swan song. This is it. He announced his retirement. Oregon on the ropes there out in Eugene. And then UC Irvine making it all the way to the final game of the Stanford Regional, coming from behind yesterday and punching out the Stanford Cardinal. This is a big game right here tonight. That game will be at 9 o'clock. I'm not sure if you'll be able to catch that on television. These are the, When you get to Monday right now, the, some of these games, you know, you might be able to find it on ESPNU or whatnot with some whip-around coverage. But it's going to be a fun night tonight, mainly that Oregon, LSU, Nebraska, Arkansas, and Stanford, UC Irvine's got my attention as well. Something else I'll mention about the SEC is, you know, I'm, I'm not an Alabama fan, but I really hate to see Alabama and Florida get eliminated. I was kind of pulling for the whole conference there, but, you know, let's... What about let's, South Carolina? Yeah, let's... Uh, eh, I don't, I, you know how much <laughs> I like them, man. That's it for the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.